Guys, what's your homepage when you open a raw web browser? Mine's nothing for what it's worth right now. It's just it's just Google. Uh, Stan, do you remember Homestar Runner? Yeah, yeah, the fl- the Flash content. That that's still that's still my homepage. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like funny Flash videos. Uh, Fark.com. You gotta gotta go to Fark every day. Oh jeez, I'm, I'm a Newgrounds guy. Oh man, I still like to go to where the the G.I. Joe parody videos are and just watch all of those in order before I start my day. Fensler films. Before I start any browsing whatsoever on the World Wide Web. Um, it freaks me out when I use my PC and it opens up msn.com <laughs> or something like that still. I never realized what the thing that annoyed me about using browser on PC is. And you know what? That's it. I mean, you it's not the fact that it's a PC. That's a Microsoft Edge web browser feature that you can easily turn off, David. I just... It never occurred to me what it was because it's been so long since I've had that. <laughs> I mean, you don't like browsing all the MSN content? Stan, what's yours, though? Did you say? It's Dig. It's still Dig. Dig? What's Dig? Is it, is it dig? really? No, it hasn't been Dig in like <laughs> 20 years. Mine's just the divedown.com slash store. Oh. I, oh, yeah. You know, I, I need to keep up with our latest shirts and products. Right. You got to go there. Hello and welcome to episode 244 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav here in Manchester, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. Stanislav, we are, we're videoless this week right now, and this scares me. Not not seeing your is this I'm like talking to a box that says S and a box that says D, standing for stand. Stan and Dave, and I can't see your face, Dan. <gasps> I see you briefly. You're like, you're, you look like a real video from 2006. Yeah. Well, you know how like you're in a conference call with work on Zoom and, and someone's internet's laggy and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, my internet sucks today. And then everyone's like, well, why don't we just turn the videos off? Well, that's what we did on the dive down. Do, do you remember, you know, pre 2020, say when pretty much every conference call was that, by the way? Just a I, call we were doing with no videos. Video? Yeah, we didn't. We're doing like it was very uncomfortable there for a minute, where everybody was like, "I guess we're gonna get, do video now all the time." Yeah. Can you see my screen? Yeah. Can you see my screen? Am I laggy? I'm sorry. I hate Zoom. I have problems with Teams. This is every day for me, you guys. Every client I have hates some platform, so we have to keep subscriptions to all of the platforms so that we can use whatever people want, whether it's um, GoToMeeting or Zoom or. <laughs> Or whatever. Well, Teams. Can can we talk about Microsoft Teams for a minute? I hate Teams so bad. It's the Go best ahead. looking one, though. The video is so crisp. I like Google Meet best, personally. <laughs> but This is some good content. I like good content. It's Google's even better than the internet meet. homepage content. Also with us, the godfather of Meets, Dave Harbarger. It's so funny you say Meets. You didn't even know. You don't even know what my house smells like. How could you know that? I've been to your house. It always smells like meat. Oh, that's a little concerning. I do have Italian beef on right now. It's a perfect Sunday. Perfect Sunday. Mm. It's the afternoon talking, you know, I uh, just got back from the zoo with my kids. They're still at the zoo. I got Italian beef on. And I think I'm about to have a f- argument with Stan. Oh, God. Whoa. We're going to we're gonna have to get the beep out for the... Fr- I was just thinking about how we haven't had a Harbarger beep in a year plus. Well, there it is. I thought s- Sunday afternoon, beautiful Sunday afternoon in October is a good time to throw a- drop an F-bomb. 
before we start swearing at one another, can we please talk about Heavy Play for a moment? Of course. Please. The card gaming accessory brand that's designed to improve your gameplay and your game day? I love it. Their playmats, their deck boxes, their card sleeves. Oh yes, they all feature enhanced ergonomics for mobility and protection. Using their unique equip mag system, you can magnetically attach dice trays, deck boxes to your playmat and carry all of your gear in one hand. It's RCQ season. Sometimes you go to time. You don't want to have to fumble with a stupid plastic deck box that you got from your favorite podcast for the casual spike. And then just like have to carry all of your things wrapped up in your your playmat that's basically just a paper bag that you got from McDonald's earlier in the day. <laughs> Heavy play makes things so much easier. It's magnetized. Hold it together. Walk to your table one because you probably have gone on a win streak. Yeah. It's, it's a great RCQ and Heavy Play makes great products. They're coming soon to your LGS if they haven't reached there already, but you can already buy Heavy Play gear over at heavyplay.com and get 10% off your order with promo code THEDIVEDOWN2023. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Stan, what Shame. are we doing? On, what are we doing on this week's show? I feel like it's... So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the notes. I'm, I've, I've typed a lot in the notes. Hmm. And I feel like the most interesting thing that's going to happen this week is friendly banter. Mm-hmm. This is a banter-sode. That's for sure. You think sure. it's going to be friendly? I don't know about that. I think we're about to get into a fight over... As I said. Rakdos, Scam. I think there's going to be name-calling. I think there's going to be finger-pointing. I think there's going to be feeling-hurting. Whoa. I think it's going to be ugly. It's going to be confrontational. But above all else, I think it's going to be really good radio. <laughs> so what's what's sad is the finger pointing that we can't see they're well, invisible like, fingers <laughs> the invisible finger drives the economy as you guys know yep that one stan In, that's the finger that drives the economy invisible fingers is my favorite they might be giants track at the mm. end of apollo 13 yeah it's actually it's on their album here comes science which is like a kid's <laughs> one all about science stuff invisible fingers yeah it's right after science is real. All right. We, we have to keep it civil for one more minute because I'd also like to housekeep. Yeah. We have a new patron to join the nation. Drew S. What up? Hi, Drew. No increased tiers. No new reviews. Unless there's something on Spotify that Dave's been yeah, hiding Dave, from Yeah, Dave, what's on Spotify? I feel like there's always something on Spotify. Um, There is stuff on Spotify. Give me one second. I will be right back. I posted some of it in the chat. Yeah, uh, he doesn't have this queued up still, listeners. I know. I'm sorry. Here's what we got. Wow, we have a lot of responses to this one <laughs> this time. Okay, I'm not going to read them all this time. Someone actually said on here, though, that their favorite part was where we read all the comments from here. So here's what we got. We got Siggy P, who I believe is someone from Nordland with the way that their name is spelled. Uh, Nicholas T. We have Salvador S. We have Aaron H. Uh, Hunter. Trey C. Florian. And FF Freak. We have... Eight responses to the episode last week saying things as much as like, I like the part when you read the reviews to greetings from Germany. Could you guys cover Popper? Florian, I'm sorry. We're not going to cover Popper, I don't think. It's not going to happen, Florian. I'm sorry. But mostly it's a lot of people reaching out here on Spotify to tell us they love the show. I appreciate it. And uh, keep keep getting in there on Spotify. Tell us. we. I think this week we are definitely going to put up a poll on Spotify along with the default question, which is, what did you think of the show? We can't really change the default question. It, it stays the same for every episode. So we'd have to choose something that's as general purposes. What did you think of this? 
Hmm. The Should we brainstorm some default questions real quick? We could, sure. What do you think is better than what did you think about this episode? Who's your favorite host? Yes. Ooh. What's, what's the biggest animal you could beat in a fight? Oh, you want that to be on all of our podcasts? Yes. From now on? Yeah. Just eternal. What if it was just who won this episode? Oh, that's good too. <laughs> I think we will probably put up a poll though. So come back. If you listen on Spotify or you have Spotify, go check it out. Vote in the poll. Let's see how it goes. Uh, we have some fun tools to try there. All right. And if you want to be like Drew S or like the six folks who joined last week, you can go to patreon.com slash the dive down to support us there. Uh, interesting update. We are nearly fully caught up with all of our shipments around the world. Someone from New Zealand posted their box that showed up yesterday. I sent some more domestic packages uh, just this last week. I know Stan has some European playmats going out and we are good to go. I'm feeling refreshed. All of our Patreons have that stuff in hand. If you want to check out that stuff, go to patreon.com slash the dive down. We also have a store. Stan mentioned it as his homepage earlier. It's the dive down.com slash store. Mana Traders, our longtime affiliate. If you want to get 10% off of your first two months of renting Magic Online cards after this week, you might want to get on, on over to Magic Online. You can use the code THEDIVEDOWN23 for 10% off. Barristrand Man, we'll talk about later. You can get 15% off your first order there with the Dive Down 23 as well. And then our friends at Nerdage Gaming give our listeners 8% off their order with the code DIVE8. There you go. Y'all. Why are we talking about scam right now? Because I because lost your bet. Was this your suggestion, Dave, or was this my suggestion? It was certainly not my suggestion, even though it is the deck that I like to play. Okay. It, yeah, it was definitely not my suggestion because uh, this is a deck I abhor playing. That means this is my fault. But really, everybody is talking about scam right now. Yeah, I think that that was the incentive, right? It's right. like, what is, what is relevant? What is interesting? And I think with the upcoming banning... Or, well, not upcoming banning, with the upcoming sort of announcement that is scheduled, the regular announcement that's scheduled like, what, three weeks after a set review is somehow on October 16th. Okay, look, I, I'm not sure about this. So I, I, found, I, I found evidence. So did I. I still kind of feel like it might be a typo. It doesn't yeah. work with any of the release dates, does it? Does it work with... I don't know. Like, it's not three weeks after Eldraine. Is it three weeks after yeah, Eldraine? That, that's, that's what, that's Is that what, what we are right now? Patron Mickey S was saying in the, in the, in the Discord. Was okay. saying that it's three weeks. So, All right. I don't know. It seems a little bit long for that. I don't know if I actually buy that, but you never know. But, okay, let's, let's say there is a banning October 16th. Even, even if there's not, let's say the banning is in November, people are going to be having the same discussion that we're having now. Yeah. And that was kind of the entire reason I thought we should do this episode. You know, we'll play this deck together. We'll see how it felt against the field. We'll look at some stats and articles and community sentiment and just kind of see how this conversation you know, shakes out. Because for me, I just kind of want to plant a collective flag if we can by any means, whether it's like, you know, if scan is like too good or too unfun or maybe too ubiquitous to be in modern. Yeah. I did just want to pop in here and say Wilds of Eldraine released September 8th, 2023. So if they're saying that the window is October 16th, that's five weeks after the release date. So I, I don't know. It's weird, but maybe, maybe they are going to have one. That's what they said in the last BNR update. It just, when I go back, it doesn't match with any of the stuff, but Hey, inconsistency is not something in BNR policy is 
not something I guess we shouldn't expect from Wizards sometimes. So whether it's next week or whether it's the week a month from now where they actually have a band window open up, people are still going to be talking about scam, I think, then either way. I have a question, Shane. When you say collectively plant our flag, do we have to come to an agreement here? No, no. yeah, so that, that's the ambition. Oh, like if, okay. if we can, then, well, I mean, here's the thing. I think that we can perhaps disagree about like how good this deck is. And honestly, I, I don't want to be like, this deck felt good in like the 12 matches I played and therefore it is really good. Because I think what we can get to is we can look at some stats we can look at uh, our experiences. We can just sort of talk about this collectively and just be like, okay, well, where do we stand on this? Does this does anything need to happen here? And will you know, will Watsi act? I think is kind of where I want to get to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, ultimately, it's like this isn't going to be like a deep dive on scam. We've we've done, I think we've done an episode on that in the past before Bowmasters. I don't think the deck plays appreciably different besides the fact that you'll face different kinds of hate because of the popularity of the deck. But ultimately, I think like, I just kind of want to look at what scam is in the format right now and what that says about modern and the way people are playing modern and the opportunities that exist in the format to naturally bring this down, I think is an interesting, I know Dave did some notes here that we'll talk about later on the episode that I'm very interested in, in getting to. So I think the, the first question that I want to try to answer is you know, courtesy of David Byrne talking heads. And that's, how did I get here? Like, how am I slash we living in a world where scam is like the tier zero deck of modern? It's the deck people complain about. It's the deck people are begrudgingly playing because it's the best deck in the format. Yes. And and likewise, I want to ask, where's that large automobile? (laughs) This is not my beautiful house. It's in the States. This is not my beautiful wife. Yeah. I mean, like this deck was just starting to show up like, oh, you know, this is a while ago now when this deck actually sort of came onto the scene and it was sort of like a mid-range meme deck, right? Yeah. I mean, I believe that we covered Scam in summer of 2022 to start. So that was maybe August, maybe July was when we actually did like a dive into the deck when it was starting to get popular. It had been showing up maybe, you know, a couple of months before that, but it was really like the young dingo advocacy of the deck that I think really got us to take a look at it, start playing it, and got me to try it out for sure. Um, Yeah, so it's been at least 15 months or 16 months, I guess, that the deck has really been around in mostly the same form other than tech things that are happening here and there. But really, it's the same idea. Yeah, and and it it was the realization of grief ephemerate, right? Like the thing everyone feared when grief Mm -hmm. was spoiled, Mm -hmm. but it was, you know, grief undying effect. But it wasn't only grief, it was like grief and fury. You had a bunch of black and red mid-range cards to mess with. You could blood moon people out. You could do the Dothy Voidwalker thing. It had a lot of like, you know, it it was called scam for a reason, a number of ways to scam folks, ragavans, early, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it got iterated on. I want to ask. Please. But I'll let David ask first. Oh, I wasn't going to ask. I was just going to say, I wanted to talk for a minute about why I started playing this or started liking this deck. I don't know if you all remember when we went to Dallas at the beginning of 2022. Yeah. Right. When I, and I was sort of lost in modern at the time. Then I was trying to play shadow. Shadow wasn't good. Trying to play um, kind of Ragavan decks. I picked up Murktide a little bit. Didn't love Murktide. Was just really like looking for a deck. And then I realized, you know, I really like playing red black decks as it turned out. And then this started popping up and that's how I got into playing this deck in the first place back then or trying it out. So I think it just kind of appealed to, 
you know, number one, I really like Ragavan, really like Lightning Bolts, like making people discard cards. I have had fun with the Luris builds of Red Black back when that was good, mm-hmm. all the way back in 2021. And so I think that's part of how I started trying this deck out more than others. I also already had all the cards. That's to helpful. be honest. And so I was in a space where it was like, am I going to really buy into another deck in modern? But I had all of these cards except for the feigned death cards. I, I, I want to harken back to something Shane had talked about, which is, you know, you, you mentioned like Dothy Voidwalker and Ragavan in the same breath as scamming people. W- what does scam mean to you? Because to me, I think like the reason this deck gets its name is because of the turn one grief play and, and maybe to a lesser extent, the turn one fury play. Like, I think that's the scam. Dothy Voidwalker and Ragavan, that's just mid-range. No, no, I think that the Dothy Voidwalker plus Thoughtseize is also a scam. Oh. I think a turn one unanswered Ragavan is also a variant of a scam, right? And that's kind of, and blood mooning someone on turn three could or be turn a scam. Or turn two, for that yeah, matter. Right? So, so that's kind of like, that was the, I think, central conceit of the deck overall, which is like, hey, we've got a lot of ways to win some games here. And some of it comes early on turn one, some of it can come later with, you know, a, a turn three blood moon, you know, or even turn two, like you all said, or hard casting a fury. And, you know, that's, that's not a scam by any means. But I think the deck had a variety of ways to interact with the opponent's deck, board, all that kind of good stuff. And do you, do you uh, agree or disagree with that stance, Dan? I think that's a totally reasonable point of view. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Um, but I think, you know, we, we saw this deck get iterated on. It crept up the metagame standings pretty steadily. I think it's safe to say it never took over. Like, there were points in time before Bowmasters, which is kind of what I will say is the turning point, where it was one of the most popular decks. It was, you know, one of the mid-range decks du jour, maybe the only mid-range deck that was really played in modern. And then we got Orgish Bowmasters. And I think this is... A a small flag I want to plant on the way to the big flag is that this has been what made this deck into a true tier one deck because this deck needed a bridge Hmm. and Bowmasters brought it that bridge, right? Because the only two drop this deck had was Dothy Voidwalker, which is a cromulent card but not an amazing card unless it's paired with other things and you maybe get lucky or something like that. And that also requires Black Black to cast and Bowmasters, while being an awesome two-drop... Don't forget Kroxa. <laughs> I, I mean, Kroxa... Yeah, Kroxa is cool. Kroxa is... Um, I mean, it's a one-of, but it is a two-drop. Yeah, it is a two-drop. You know, it pitches to either elemental, but it's it I, was there. But Shane, you're... you're I, I think I agree, but keep yeah. going. It sure. is... It, it did need another two-drop. I agree with well, that. Well, I think it needed this two-drop. Because what this two-drop does is it not only smooths out the deck overall, but it just, you know, we know that how Bowmasters works with the format in really annoying ways for opponents, but it's great when you cast it, right? Because what Bowmasters is doing is right now, it incidentally removes low toughness creatures like opposing Bowmasters or Ragavans. It punishes all this popular card draw addition stuff, like the one ring up the beanstalk preordain. It makes two pieces of cardboard, sort of incidentally, and and like I said, was just a two drop in a deck that had a lot, lot of one mana plays and three mana and plus plays. So yeah. I think it's just like, it's just kind of the glue that is making the the good early and good late game pieces even better. I think it was important to point out that it makes a big difference about what modern became at the same time that Bowmasters came out, which is something that I saw Ari Lax talking about a little bit on Twitter today, which mm. we don't have to go super deep into. You know, they might talk about it on uh 
Dominaria's judgment next week or something. But Ari was just talking about how, you know, scam slash bowmasters and all that stuff is really in a response to a bunch of decks having access to the one ring. I don't know if I believe that 100%, but it is that bowmasters is good against the one ring that makes it viable and good in this particular moment, in addition to the other stuff that bowmasters does. For sure. And, and just the fact that there really wasn't a good two drop. I mean, there was a point in time where people were trying scam in modern with um, Blood Tithe Harvester as a two drop in here as well before Bowmasters came out and like, you know, that card. But uh, it's been looking for to smooth out that area in between, like you said. I think the other thing that helped this deck out a lot, at least where the world is right now and where the metagame is right now, is Fable of the Mirror, switching from Season Pyromancer to Fable of the Mirror Breaker. So people were really all in on Fable or on uh, Pyromancer for a long time with this deck. And then there were people who were doing a mix of that effect between Fable and Pyromancer. And then people just kind of, at the time that Lord of the Rings came out, switched entirely to Fable. And I think that made a big difference as well. I also seem to recall there was a while where the two drop of choice was Turok. Not main deck. It was never Not main. really main deck. It not I not more than a one or two of, I would say, in a kind of Kroxa kind of vibe, but it was certainly was a card that was on the table as a sideboard piece at different points in time. Hmm. But yeah, that's all I got. I just kind of wanted to like, you know, remind us and the listeners kind of like where we are, why I think that the deck is even better than it was before, and kind of set the table a little bit. But where are we right now? Uh I think we can talk about some data we have. Yeah. All right. So everybody knows that scam is very prevalent right now, but like how prevalent, like where is this place that we have gotten to? And we have a couple of different pieces of data to help with that. Most of it's courtesy of Frank Karsten, just to try to give us a baseline of what everywhere right now really means. So in uh, the Metagame Mentor column by Frank Karsten, September 7th, 2023, it's called Everything to Win Your 2023 Modern RCQ. As of this date, which is, you know, six weeks after the Pro Tour, about four weeks ago from now, Scam is essentially 16.3% of the winner's meta share. And here's a couple of excerpts of his writing that stood out to me just for our discussion today. Uh, he says, in modern, it's essential to have a solid plan for dealing with Ragavan on turn one or the one ring on turn four. Since Bo Orcish Bowmasters lines up well against both of these cards, it is the defining card of the current modern metagame. A little bit of what you were talking about earlier, Shane. I, like, I feel like I'm not sure that that's 100% true, but I do think that that <laughs> explains why this card is important and why it's good, for sure. And then the second thing that he said that I thought was interesting was the deck's interactive shell, including Thoughtseize Terminate, makes it well-suited to defeat combo decks such as Yawgmoth and Amulet Titan. However, discard spells can't upper the top of the opponent's deck, so it can struggle against decks with a large amount of consistency and redundancy, such as Rhinos, Burn, or Four-Color Omnath. We can talk more about matchups later, but this is just kind of like the first points that he thought were relevant for people to know when they're thinking about what Scam is, if they're just like getting ready for their RCQs. Yeah, I want to go, I'm going to go back a little bit to the Orcish Bowmasters being the defining card of the current modern metagame. And I think it's wild to call what I think is a reactive card, the defining card. Like uh, Orcish Bowmasters is perfectly average being played out, right? I think it's perfectly fine. I think in terms of what it can do to potentially shape or respond to what opponents are trying to do to get ahead is like a really interesting stance because Orcus Bowmasters itself is not really pushing these cards out of the format. It's not pushing Preordain out. It's not pushing the One Ring out. It's definitely not stopping people from trying to do up the Beanstalk type things, uh, among others. But 
the fact that it can really be called something like that while being fairly innocuous on its lonesome, I think is, is saying really something about how people are trying to get advantage both on the board and through and through card draw. Yeah. A couple of weeks later, Frank posted another article about modern at the Las Vegas secret layer showdown. Only sad I want to say here was top 32 of that challenge, which is a 30 was which was like a really high stakes event. 34.4% of the top 32 metagame was scam, which I think means 11 decks out of 32. If you look at Magic Gold, uh, MTG Goldfish, it says that it is 21.3 of the metagame, <laughs> which I, you know, Magic uh, Goldfish's data is like sometimes in like hard to figure out exactly where it's coming from but that's still over 20 percent, which is a lot uh we have a screen grab of a challenge here from october 6th where one two three four five six seven eight of the top 32 decks a quarter of them are scam yeah and then there's an article that I know Shane spent some time with by David Ernawine, who is like a local to Denver that you know, who's been yes. writing about modern for a really long time, wrote about wrote on a site called Modern Nexus, now writes a quiet speculation. What is what is this? What's his methodology? And what does it say? Yeah, I like this data. Well, I don't necessarily agree with his final takes, but I think the data and the work is very strong because David does both a paper and an online sort of a rankings tier and he gets his magic data magic online data from challenges and prelims only and in that scam is 18.3 percent of the total online competitive metagame but what's interesting about that is the following decks of like omnath yogmoth is it Merktide are like six to six and a half percent and in this 18.3 percent david makes a comparison to is it Merktide, and he states that it never stood alone to such a degree. And, you know, he has the receipts for saying stuff like that. And then in paper, he uses the top 32 decks that are reported from events. And I think the data on both of these aligns with Frank's even from a month ago, although mm -hmm. Scam is higher now. And he sees Sam at 16.4% of the paper metagame with a handful of decks around 6% as well, such as Murktide, Omnath, Rhinos, Titan, and Yogg. And what David also does is award points for various finishes and... You know, so if it finishes better, then it gets more points. and Which is also what Frank does for yes, his articles, for exactly. what it's worth. So I think like these are you know two good data points to be comparing. Because uh, Frank's is a month old at this point, and I think in the past month we have seen Scam become even more popular and perhaps powerful. And um, Scam grabbed 19.5% of the total online points and 17.6% of the total paper points. And then one more thing that David does that I think kind of gets to an interesting story if we have enough data with it, which is kind of like popularity and points combined, right? So like if a deck is overrepresented, then it obviously will grab more points. Or if it's you know highly represented, it'll grab more points. So you kind of look at, well, based on the representation, how many points should it have? And then you sort of create a ratio on what's what sort of baseline and what's performing over or under that baseline. And Scam is performing above baseline in both online and paper, but not absurdly. Like there are popular decks, like tier one decks like Omnath that are doing better than it based on the representation than Scam. And a good number of like slight, just very slightly less popular decks, or maybe, maybe significantly less popular, like Breach, Coffers, Titan, and Rhinos are all doing 
better than expected in terms of point grabbing. And then in paper, burn and hammer are exceeding scam in terms of the sort of expected points. Well, scam is in third place, so it's doing very well. But then right behind it are decks like Titan, Junsaga, Omnath, Creativity, and Murktide are all doing quite well. Do you have like numbers for what well and quite well means? Like is, is well, they're, scam... they're, they're ratio numbers, so they're not super meaningful in terms of like the p- points, but it's like scam might be like a 1.8 and then like Titan, Junsaga, Omnath, Creativity, Murktide are like in the 1.7s and like a 1.5 is sort of like baseline. And, you know, I think I would suggest people to go look at David's article over a quiet speculation if they want to get in the weeds on it. But basically what I'm saying is they're all very lumped close together. So in terms of like, hey, there is this much of this deck and I had this many of the available points, then their scam is not an outlier is all I'm getting at. And I think Mm -hmm. David is getting at in the data there. With his data, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you look at, I haven't seen anything from Anil Yassi, for example, in the last couple of weeks, but we saw Andre Mangucci posted his own like personal tiers, had scam as the only tier A deck. The last analysis I saw from Anil said that scam was an outlier and was performing better than everybody else. You know, David's saying it's performing well, has outsized metagame share, but it doesn't have outsized performance share. I think Frank's article kind of says a similar thing where it's like outsized representation, but not necessarily outsized performance. It's interesting. It's just, I mean, what do we think of all this? Like this is, this is the data. I mean, I think it passes the sniff test, right? Like I think we've observed that it's very popular, just scanning goldfish. We see it constantly in results. I think we have felt from playing with and against it, that it's not Hogak, right? It's it's just, a, it's a modern deck. And I, th- I think it's, in a way, it's like an interesting anomaly of a why its representation outpaces its performance so much. Because I don't know that we see that, I mean, we see that sometimes. Like, we've seen it with Murktai, we used to see it with Jund. It, it happens from time to time. Maybe, like, Burn, to some extent, does this too. Where, to, you know, Shane's argument is that no one should be playing Burn. And we, we know for a fact that a non-zero amount of people are playing Burn. But I don't know, it's, what is it about Scam... And, and this, we're going to try to answer this over the course of the episode, but what is it about Scam that makes yep. it quite so popular, even though it's not, I don't know, it's not tier zero. <laughs> it's tier one. I, sure. may, maybe maybe it's tier one. It's not like so far and away above better than everything else, though. Yeah, I think it depends on how you define tiers, which is not a shared definition, right? I think if you look at something where it's like, this is 16 or 19% of the metagame, you're sort of automatically going to place it in your mind as like the tier zero deck that you have to respect as long as it's still doing pretty well. And I think we can say that, you know, Scam is doing pretty well. It's like a 53, 54% deck based on stats that we have from like mtgmeta.io. Of course, there's noise in that data for sure, right? But I think it's the best, some of the best that we have to just get a general idea of the win rates. Of course, Watsi is going to have better data on the overall win rates because they have less obfuscated data across all sorts of things, right? They can just be like, okay, well, not only what is it winning, you know how how is it winning, but what is it winning against, and what kind of decks have good matchups against it? What kind of popular decks have good matchups against it? And that's all the kind of valuable stuff that I hope they will use to make decisions. But in terms of answering your question, Stan, I think that I think people play it and like it because it's. I was going to say it's consistent, but it's actually not that consistent, and we'll get into that in a little tiny bit. But I think it's like the the ceiling is very high, 
right? And I think that you can, I don't think anyone, everyone has like sort of collective delusions where they're only looking at the good experiences they have with Scam by any means. But I think it's the idea that like, hey, I can do this and it works pretty well. And I have a really good sort of backup plan with all of these pretty darn good Rakdos cards in my deck. Yeah, I mean, I just like playing right now, at least I like playing good piles of Rakdos cards. And this is one that's configured to compete in what Mata is modern is today, not Mata. The, you know, when I think about it emotion, like long term, I used to love to play during like, you know, revised plus fallen empires, being able to play turn one dark ritual into hypnotic specter or turn one dark ritual into him to Turok and the rack or something like that. And that is weirdly, like I was thinking about it, this strategy sometimes feels a little bit like that in that sense, where it's sort of like a little bit of high risk variance. It's a must, must answer threat. It has its own disruption with it. And then you have cards that are pretty good that are kind of like the connective tissue between that there. And somebody just figured out how to configure this deck to be able to compete in the way that modern works right now. But I agree generally, I mean, I guess I don't know if I agree, but I think we will talk about it more. Like this deck feels to me like just a modern deck. It feels similarly powered to many other modern decks to me and similarly frustrating to play against as many other modern decks do to me as well. But we can talk about that more later. Yeah, I think, did we answer the question of like, how do we feel? I think the question that I want to ask, if it wasn't already asked, is, is the prevalence of this deck bad in and of itself? And I think my answer to that is, it depends on how long it lasts. Right, like if people mm-hmm. really aren't going to find or refuse to find, or they don't exist, the answer is to a scam metagame of like you know nineteen percent of the decks in competitive events being scam. Then something is wrong, right? Where people are willing to put up with mirror matches rather than try to beat the mirror with a different deck altogether. I know, Stan. What do you think about it being this much? How do you feel about it? Oh, I mean, that's all I've written about. <laughs> no, but I mean, specifically the question, how do you feel about there being this much of it right now that you have to see as someone who doesn't play it? Like, let's just try to start there for a second. How do I, like, I think it's a case of people seeing, I, I feel like you want a simple answer, but it's not a simple answer, okay? Because okay. I, I think I think what happened is it's a case of people seeing its flashy potential in, in part on the Pro Tour, in part from the point of view that's just like, constantly in top eights and i think it's created this self-fulfilling prophecy of goodness that then generates like more and more people picking it up and i think that it's earned its meta share because of like reputation and flash and not necessarily because of other empirical data as someone who plays rhinos are you worried about seeing a lot of scam in a tournament or do you care or what do you think no i'm not particularly worried about seeing a ton of scam in a tournament yeah it's a pretty i think it's a pretty even matchup yeah even ish yeah, especially yeah. if you're prepared, like if you have a, a scam plan for, and this is true of any deck, like if you have a scam plan with any deck, um, maybe except for like, I, I don't know what scam's best matchups are, frankly, but setting the, whatever those aside are, like, I think most decks can have a plan for scam. Can I give you a couple of what I think the best matchups are for what it's worth? Yeah. And then Shane can check me with data. So in my mind, when I'm playing scan, I'm super happy to number one, be playing against big mana decks. Like, I am very happy to play against Tron in particular uh, because I'm faster than them as long as they don't have uh, dismember. Once they don't have dismember, if they don't have dismember, I'm pretty happy to be against thinking about like basically decks that don't have Murktide. red in I think, them. I think Murktide's well, Murktide's, fine to play. 
Murktide's not bad. Yeah, Murktide's not bad, although counterspells are tough sometimes, depending on how the sequencing works out, and you have things to destroy their threats. Um, so do they. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, generic creature deck I'm pretty happy to be playing against because then my Furies are better than they are sometimes in Modern right now. So, for example, I'm in the middle of the league. I played Merfolk last night. I got a little worried because, like, Grief is not great against Merfolk, but guess what's very good against Merfolk is, uh, you know, flipping it and doing the Furies plan instead. So you're, more of your deck maybe gets good. That's kind of what I think anyway. But Shane, what does the data say? I'm pulling that up now. But I think one of the that's interesting, Dave, is you talk about creature decks. And I think we get into this a little bit later in the episode. But I do think that some creature decks actually are pretty tough for for Fury to take down. Like I think that's one thing that's a good answer that we'll talk about. I think is creatures that can outsize what Fury can do, especially uh, later in the game, if you don't have an early Fury, to sort of like keep things in check. But what it, what do you have as like the things that are the good matchups for Scam? I think uh, Hardened Scales. We'll talk no, about... No, no, no. Oh, the other mean way. Good, no, not good against it. Good for yeah. it. I mean, like yeah. it's good. I mean, I think like you said, it's sort of like the, the bigger, slower strategies that you can take out the key pieces with your thought seizes or griefs or both, where it's like, you know, Amulet Titan or... Like you said, like the bigger single cre- like creaturey style decks, like you know zoo decks or things like that. I think, like I said, I think it's strong. It's Murktide because they don't pressure you in the same way. Where it's like that's why you run Terminate is for stuff like Murktide, and it's such a great answer that almost no other deck has, ac- no other popular deck has access to. So you know coffers stuff like that and just like the field it just cleans up the field which is where you always you know you want to be in uh in an open meta game of the lgs or even like an rcq yeah so looking at like the a b tier a b c tier of um like Mangucci's list that he did for his modern power rankings like four color omnath i think is not great for scam rhinos is not great for scam living end i think is like pretty medium like just because they can beat you off the top murktide i think is actually not bad for scam i think that's a good matchup for scam kind of more so than the, the flip is i think amulet titan is not is a good matchup for scam i think hardened scales is not a good matchup for scam but then if you look at the c tier yogmoth i think is pretty decent for scam because you can kill their stuff to disrupt them, make and discard. Uh, Monogreen Tron, like I said, I think Coffers is probably in the middle somewhere. And then from there, you know, there's some other decks that I think are kind of all over the place. But I mean, one thing I guess is that I feel like you have a shot against pretty much anybody if you get the right sequence of stuff, because you have that combination of disruption plus a decent clock that people have to answer. So sometimes, you you know, you just, this deck is set up to make them have it. And if they don't, and in fact, it's set up to make them have it more than one time. (laughs) And if they don't have it more than once, then... Uh, you win, you know. Yeah, I think what you said is the important thing I think that you're getting at, Dave, and that we'll talk about, I keep hinting, we'll talk about later, is that I think there are legitimate options, both in terms of deck selection and, like Stan was mentioning, plan in your deck selection as well, that can put up a like, legitimate fight not only against Scam, but against the rest of the field. And I think that's like kind of the format that we all want to be playing is something where it's just like, hey, uh, there are ways that people can play modern, fight against this tier zero scourge of the format, but also not be so metagaming against it that they are terrible against the rest of the field because then that's not going to be a legitimate way to solve the problem. And regardless, in a reels over feels, feels over reels kind of situation, if people hate the deck, which is kind of where we're getting right now, that's the thing as well. 
right? Like people hate yep. playing against this deck and uh, for maybe good reason, you know, people don't like discarding their cards. So, and then the question is how much do they hate it? Do they hate it enough to play Harden scales? Do they hate it enough to play something like burn or yeah. you know, some kind of other redundant type strategy? But before we kind of get into anything else, I, I have a question that I think we should, uh, that I want to hear from you all, because I hadn't actually played a ton of this deck since Bowmasters was out. And w what's your all experience with this and with this deck, whether it's playing with it or against it? Because I know, Stan, you've been doing a lot of RCQs and kind of practicing online and things like that. And, and I know that Dave's played this deck before, but where do we stand with this? I'll go first. So I, I've, I feel like I've actually played with Scam a reasonable amount of times for like it being a deck that I'm not particularly interested in because over the years that it's been a viable strategy for like maybe the last year and a half or to two years, you know, every once in a while some innovation will come or it'll like pop up and, and do well or young Dingo will like tweet something impressive and I'll just fire up a league just to try it out. Um, so, you know, I, I remember trying it pretty early in its existence because of the novelty. I remember trying it out when um, Dingo started splashing blue for expressive iteration and I think he called it moist scam and you know mm. that title alone is enough for me to try anything make it moist and I'll fire up a league you know we did the the deck dive I played some then and yeah you know it's just like it's like any other deck in modern that I'll just like pick up from time to time for science though have never learned to like it I, I'm sure astute listeners will recall like I'm constantly complaining about a deck running out of gas and or this deck running out of gas and why I dislike playing it and I keep trying to like find that missing piece of the puzzle and I never have but I have still given it a, a fair shake for the sake of I don't know sounding smart when I talk about modern to some extent yeah I mean I talked about it a little bit I picked it up early on when we did our dive and then I've kind of stuck with it since then. It's the deck that I always have sleeved up right now. You know, as people know, I don't go to tournaments all that much. Mostly playing online and doing the show is the way that I engage with Magic right now. But, you know, I play in Modern Leagues and Magic Online maybe once a month or so. Or if I'm in, in between show topics and I just get to do something that I want to do, I have generally play Scam in those senses. Um, I played it in paper in Atlanta because that's pretty much the only tournaments that I go to in paper, but that's that's what I do. And then whenever I see Stan in person and we play, like that's the deck that I'm generally playing. So when he was here a couple months ago, we were playing Scam versus Rhinos, basically. And, and, um, and you know, I, I remember, Dave, like we used to do like Scam versus Merktide testing too and yes. probably some other stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, I have, um, you know, I the just six weeks ago or so, we talked about on the show when I got a, a fi friendly 5-0 with Scam online. And red black decks are kind of what I've done the best with in Modern Horizons era two, or Modern Horizons two era modern. So that's kind of where it is for me. Shane, I, you know, you, you kind of preface this by saying like, you haven't played a ton of it. I have some weird recollection of you like building it in paper because i thought you were digging on it for a bit earlier this year oh i i have it in paper like dave said i just had like the pieces right like i had gotten ragavans when like mh2 came out and dothies you know just get i got all the pieces fairly early on right that there wasn't any like novel cards besides the extremely cheap undying effects and, and things like that so it was just a matter of like stacking the cards and putting them in sleeves and just being like hey i can take this to an event and you know ultimately then like dave was saying my engagement with magic is more about being ready for 
our episodes. So it's stuff like, well, instead of playing a league or two of Scam, I'm going to end up playing like a league or two of Beans Beans. And that gets in my way of like actually developing anywhere with Scam. And interestingly, like I hadn't even played against it that much. Like just in my testing games or the friendly leagues, Scam wasn't quite as popular. That has definitely changed. Uh, in my even in friendly leagues and in testing matches and tournament practice, I saw a lot more scam. People are playing it in both of those environments, and I am too, right? Like I'm part of the problem. It's like I'm not in traffic; I am traffic. You know that kind of stuff. So I think that in terms of both. Uh, in, in terms of playing with it, this is like revisiting it since Bowmasters came out. And then in terms of how much uh, I'm seeing it, I think it's definitely more out there. And that kind of gets into my next question, right? Which is like, how do you feel when you face down Scam? And this is just a feels check, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your opinion of playing against Scam? Because I think that's part of the overall discourse. It's just like, look, it sucks. It sucks to play against Scam. They always have it. Um, or And when they do, my game plan is completely hosed. And I didn't have an opinion before this past week. And my opinion right now is that the mirrors suck. Because that's all. <laughs> because that's what I was playing, right? I was just playing. I was playing scam. They were playing scam, and the mirrors are—they they don't actually suck, but they reveal the frustration of mirrors, which is just like I'm not going to say they drew better than me, but it's just more of like, hey, they had the right answer at the right time, and I did not, and it felt like they were able to turn the corner and take over the game, and I was not, or or sometimes I did, right? So, Stan, I mean, what do you think? I think I'm desensitized to playing against it, to be quite honest. Yeah, I kind of feel similarly where I just feel like I feel like it's a deck that's there. Yeah, Yeah. and and that's it's fine. Like I, I I think everyone needs to get grief scammed once on turn one and still pull out a win to realize that like the grief scam play feels worse than it is sometimes. (laughs) No, no, obviously like many good tempo decks like they can grief scam you and then turn two like dash or ragavan and then turn three blood moon you or something and like can still run away with the game and like that's why i think this deck has seen so much success is because it can do powerful things to back up that you know ideal turn one play but um the ideal turn one play is not tybalt's trickery like it doesn't always actually beat you on the spot even though it may seem that way sometimes certainly makes people scoop I mean, (laughs) prematurely. I mean, people scoop prematurely all the time. I think people are leaving points on the table, as as you might say, sometimes there stand for sure. Does it matter that people hate it? And I think this this gets into like a Watsy consideration more than ours. But like, you know, people are really in a big discourse, whether they hate it because of the gameplay or they hate it because of the prevalence or they hate it because of the perceived win rate of it or the prevalence in like top 32s indicating that it has like a certain high, certain really high win rate. So I, I, I like this question. I'm going to ask that we defer this for a little bit later in the discussion, because I think what we should do is actually talk about, we've talked a little bit about the deck, but I think we should talk about how good we actually think the deck is Sure, yeah, and give people to a chance to say, cause Stan has hinted a couple of times, you know, he doesn't like it and he, I, we know he has thoughts. So I think we, this is a good time to open up the board to just oh, yeah. kind of say like, Hey, you know, okay. So it's everywhere. We've played it a good amount. We played it this week. All of us played it this week in one form or another. I unfortunately got in the least number of games with it this week, but I'm going to let Stan go first. Some takes. Let's have some takes. Stan, you came back to it again. You don't like playing Scam. No. We didn't really tell you you had to play Scam, to uh, be fair. I mean, I felt like 
that was the implication. You felt like you wanted you yeah, that's what you felt like you needed to do. No, I felt like there was uh you guys insinuated that this is the scam episode and we should have something to say and like I needed to play it again in order to have something to say. All right, let's hear what you have to say. I I hated playing scam yet again and I was <laughs> I was like mad at you guys for making me feel like I had to. And I was just like, "Why well, I I wish I was playing I wish I was playing Phoenix and Pioneer right now. Why am I doing this?" I felt <laughs> I, I I felt like so uh what's the word is it it's, it's not degenerated i don't know disheartened i believe is the word you're yeah, looking I was for quite disheartened i did feel a little of that coming across discord earlier <laughs> oh, and i was like oh, i'm sorry you didn't have to play it I'm you could have just talked about beating it well, and that was fine well, what's good is that it gets us fresh stand takes exactly you know what i really th- like here's here's the opinion that's going to leave angry comments on spotify Like, I kind of think Scam, the deck, is not good. I think, like, Scam is a bad deck in disguise. And the reason it does well and seems better than I think it is is because the turn one grief play can steal games on the spot frequently. Okay. okay. Yeah. How, how bad are we talking? Like bad in disguise? Are we talking like 45%? Like it's, like it's like a Jund deck. It's just like a Jund Merktide deck that's like not as good as like people think it is because it just has like one of the best turn ones in, in modern. I, I will say that the data does not back that up, but I do not think that that is you know, mirror data? match list data. Hold on, hold on. What, what do you mean? What data does it back it up? I mean like the MTG meta win rates. Um, I'm going to guess that in any kind of announcement Watsy makes that they'll be like, you know, that is a, is, it's a 50 plus percent deck. Okay, but I, I think you've misunderstood me. Okay. I'm sa- I'm what I'm saying is that if you take grief out of the equation, oh. it's a forty five percent deck. Okay. So the ceiling is very high. I think we agree on that, right? Like the ceiling is the ceiling is so good that people forget about the low floor. It's such a it's a Sistine Chapel. Yes. However, I would like to welcome you all to the Sistine Chapel of formats that is modern. I don't really feel so I, I disagree with your that take stand for what it's worth and like we kind of implied we'd be fighting about this a little bit i hope it's going to be more civil about that i i don't fully disagree with what you're saying but i also when i look around modern i have a hard time thinking of or I, sorry it's the reverse i was gonna say i have a hard time thinking of decks that don't share that criticism it's more i think there's a big cohort of decks in modern that are similar to that and that in my mind includes Rhinos, it includes Titan, it includes um, Living End, it includes, you know, like there are so many decks that if you take away the things that makes make them f- a fit for this, for the speed of this format right now and the power of this format right now, they're bad decks. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a ceiling I agree format. with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Scam is unique in that sense. In, in some ways, when I started looking at the things that I consider the cohort of decks that fit in that space, again, things that have strong plan A's and bad plan B's, I actually think Scam is one of the better decks in that particular class of decks. So Burn is not a deck like that, for example. And like Hardened Scales is not a deck. I don't think it really a deck like that. Murktide is not a deck like that. But there are lots of decks that are decks like that in modern right now. And I kind of think scam is the best one of those. And that might be part of the reason that it's so popular right now. But what do you think about that? Well, I, so I, I actually, I think that's a really astute, part one is a really astute observation that like, what I'm saying is true of a lot of other strategies. Titan, Yogmoth, Titan, or Titan, Yogmoth, and 
footfalls, I think are really good examples of, of what you're saying. Like, cause if you take crashing footfalls, <laughs> the card out of the deck, like what that deck's not doing anything or even shardless agent, to be honest, like that deck was not really a good deck until MH2 because of shardless agent. Sure. B- bottom line, but I mean, fire and ice helped too, but we're, that's a different. Yeah. Episode. But, but that's nobody, not many people are playing fire and ice in other decks. So in my mind, fire and ice is an analog to thought sees in, you know, which is like, everybody knows it's a pretty good card, but it's not defining. It's not real. You know what I mean? Like it's a card that if we complain about scams, cards not really being on rate like i don't think fire and ice is really on rate but it's very good and it's very good in that particular deck for a reason i I mean this is not going to be a rhino episode this even though we all want it to be um so your first point i totally agree with really really good observation it's the second point that i think is kind of at the heart of where we disagree because you know you're saying like even if we take grief out of the equation it's a good deck but then john ought to be a pretty good deck like because it's just doing mid-range stuff beyond that when you don't have like a grief or fury like the undying cards aren't like particularly good they're they're nice little ways to defend your creatures that are getting removed sometimes too if you don't have a a scam play so to speak right you can be tricky with them because they're there right but But they're not there because you can be tricky with them exactly and and they're not going to be there if if for some reason grief ceases to exist. Yeah, I do want to like small correction. I, I'm not really saying you said that I what I'm saying is that the the leftovers of Rakdos are similar to the leftovers of Rhinos. You know what I mean? Which is like hmm. none of these are cards that would be decks on their own without the the reason that they have to exist, or not none of them, but it would be a much worse deck. And I think the leftovers are probably better, for example, because this was a deck that was just a fair deck before. And some of these other cards don't really go together in a fair deck, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like we're slightly splitting hairs, which is is just kind of like, you know, is... Welcome to the Dive Down Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Modern Discourse. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that, I think your point is fair, Dave, which is like, there is a deck that would exist after an elemental ban. Would it be a particularly amazing deck? I don't think so. But it would probably be better. It probably would be better than Rhinos without Charlotte's agent. It also would be just real quick. It would be something that would be sitting there waiting for something to bring it back, waiting for one card to be like, "Oh, Jund is good again now." What like that's that's a plausible thing that can happen kind of at any moment. Yeah, I mean, I think if if there was an elemental ban, the deck that's comes back is like Rakdos Rock and Jund. Like right. it's, it's those decks. I fully agree with that. You'd suddenly have, you know, 10 slots in your deck. What would go in your deck? Right? Would it be Saga? Would it just be a fair mid-range deck? Would there be some other weird combo people would try with something else as a result? I don't know. But um, you know, we have to go too deep on that. I just would say, like, I don't think that the reason that this is a sticking point for me is because I think people have this perception, and I could be wrong because you know, I'm not an RCQ grinder with this deck, but I have been playing it for like a year. And the the idea that people feel like when I'm playing against Scam, they always have it because they always mull to it. Yeah. Mm. I don't think is like a good game plan for Scam all the time. No. And I don't think it's, even frequently, I don't think it's a good game plan for when you're playing this deck because you do have games that you can play that win off of openers that are like two lands, Ragavan, like Thought Shane was saying Ragavan. earlier. Yeah, Thought Seize, Ragavan, Douthy Voidwalker, and Blood Moon or something like that. Like this, it can play and win a fair game against a lot of decks. And I I think that's kind of where I want to sort of steer this conversation, which is like, how good is the turn one scam in terms of ceiling? 
And I think that this is what kind of Stan is getting at, which is like, it's it can be very good, but sometimes the juice is not worth the squeeze and sometimes the juice is just okay. Am I, am I summarizing this okay, Stan? Where it's like, look, um, the, the perceived ceiling is that if I get grief turn one, it might be so bad I'm going to scoop. And then when you play it out, that sometimes it's like, well, the work I had to put into getting to this you know, scam opener uh, might have cost me cards. It cost me cards to pitch. It cost me the card of playing the crappy um, reanimation spell, the undying spell that was in my deck and uh, is now out of my hand. And I have like a, a four three on the board and I got two cards out of your hand. And maybe they weren't even the two cards that are going to win me the game, but I ha- really have to cross my fingers that they are. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you're kind of like referring to the the circumstances where you grief someone and then they top deck a lightning bolt and you kind of feel like you've not really gotten that far ahead and you're both just like down cards and you, you maybe have a little bit more information, but you have information about yeah. a, or, or a, or they, a four card or hand. They, or they just have two lightning bolts. Yeah. For what it's worth. Or three. I mean, because right. that, if, if you're griefing You don't need them. three. You don't need three. That's no, because you kill it with the second the second discard trigger on the stack. You only need two. You do lose a card, but you still get to kill the the elemental in that scenario. Or or they have like, you know, just a bunch of pieces that do similar things. Where it's like, okay, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll get into the hardened scales example now, which is like, oh, they have like two different ozilists. They have like, you know, some things that are going to put tokens on things or counters on things. And I'm like, I don't really have a great way to punch a hole in their hand. And if you can't punch a hole in someone's hand with two thought seizes on turn one, then you're in a bad spot. But plenty of decks have the opportunity to do that. And I think that the reason that people... I think feel really bad about scam right now, or one of the reasons is that, like you said, Dave, is that everyone has been for a long time playing these decks that are have linchpin cards, right? Where it's like, yeah. you know, I if I need to keep like I'm playing rhinos, I need to keep a hand with a a cascader, like that's like my my bread and butter, right? If I have one and it gets removed from my hand, I'm waiting to top deck another one of the seven probably that are still left in my deck, and that's not a great place to be. And like, you know, or my, my amulet of vigor gets taken out of my hand or any number of like key cards that make things work. And the format might have, the format has decks that do not rely on strategies like that. Can can we talk about mulligans for a second? Mm -hmm. When I did this league, I actually entered it kind of like asking myself that question. And I did a little bit of science, which was like, especially in game one in the blind, I mulligan any seven that doesn't have the scam play a scam play whether it's grief or fury right and then if my six doesn't have it i just keep anything that's playable six or lower you know what i mean like if 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 my if my six is just like an unplayable all lands or a one land or whatever like i'm not keeping that under any circumstances but like if my six is just a servable serviceable six or my five is just serviceable i i keep those but i i am willing to go to six to or I was willing to go to six to find the scam. Is that, do you think that's a reasonable approach? I personally, I think it's matchup dependent, which, you know what I mean? Like I, I would try that if I knew that I really wanted to, like I would do that against uh, Titan, for example. I would be like, I'm going, I'm, I don't care. Like I'm going to go for it. I really want grief uh, and to get rid of, you know, whatever they have in their hand to try to slow them down and put a threat down because they can't kill it. Like I'm very sure that that grief will do good, will be good. 
in that situation. If I'm in the blind or if I'm against a deck with like red removal or something like that, where I know that it's like there's a good chance that no matter what I do, that grief is going to die or their deck is redundant, I'm not going to do that. I think by default in the dark, I'm just trying to, I'm a little more open to non scam hands than that at seven just because you know you've you've said a few times one of the things you dislike about this deck the most is that it runs out of gas and it's like i I don't really and i agree with that it's true fable helps with that there are ways that you can play that help with that but it, it is true that you don't have card draw and so i i'm a little wary against that as well just because i don't think i want to mull like that you know yeah i think there are good non scam openers in this deck and they feel like mopey mid-range openers but the cards are still good enough that they're not that mopey right where it's like i won games against omnath decks where uh, I, it was game two i knew i was playing against omnath right but it's just like i have two thought seizes and a dothy void walker or something like that or a ragavan and if you are going like you know turn one Thoughtseize into turn two Thoughtseize and Ragavan or a Dothy Voidwalker that, that gives you some options to, you know, draw into other cards or you probably, you know, if you kept a seven with that, then you do have a few other cards left in hand, you know, especially if it's something like a Blood Moon against four or five color Omnath decks and you don't see them playing around it, then you have opportunities to win. Cool. Stanit, I know that you said you had an unfun league. You didn't, you weren't successful in the league. What were the kind of things that you were seeing do well against you? Because I think that bridges us into kind of the, the last arc of our conversation, which is like, what should people, what can people be doing against this deck? Okay. Yeah. So uh, my league was nuts. I actually felt like I played two matches in a row against decks that were almost expressly designed to beat Scam. By the way, I agree after I played my league and played against the same deck, but you, you go ahead and talk about it. It was a... M. Hayashi style mono red deck that just played like a handful of like good one drop creatures. But what was really annoying about it is that it also played, I think it played up to eight field of ruin effects and would essentially just kind of like punish me for not having basic mountains. Oh my gosh, I want basic mountain in this deck so badly. I go back and forth on that for what it's worth, but I, I understand why. But go ahead. So yeah, the Field of Ruin plays were were really annoying. <laughs> I would have to like play Blood Moon proactively just to like turn my fetches into mountains, which d- doesn't always work. I did the same thing, by the way. I actually upped Blood Moons in this matchup from one to four because I thought that they were better than some of the d- cards that I had made than like Thoughtseize against this against this deck. So like. Yeah, I, I totally hear you. They would play um, this kind of newer artifact. It's called Stone of something. It's called the Stone of Eric. The Eric. Stone? It's in. It, yeah, it's in uh, the Lord of the Rings set. Can you go deep in the lore about what the Stone of Eric is, please, Dave? Uh, I think it's a dead Palantir. No, I have no idea. It's just it's like a black circle that glows with blue. I, I don't know what it is. But it's what it does do is it says the black stone. It was a large unearthly stone upon which the king. Mm of the mountain swore an oath to Isildur. Oh, okay. Thanks. But what it does is uh, if a creature dies, it's exiled. And so it's a one mana artifact that says if a creature dies, it's exiled. And then it's kind of like Relic of Progenitus, where if you um, pay a mana and sacrifice it, you can exile someone's graveyard and draw a card. So it's, it, you know, we're, we're getting in this kind of like M. Hayashi, like Zach kind of space where it's like mono red, good cards deck, you know? 
And it also had Saga, for what it's worth, which is pretty decent against Scam, I think, in different different times because of what they can search up with it and also the fact that it can make constructs. Yeah, it's a good card. Plus the life problem that you talked about, and or, sorry, the land problem that you talked about. So I agree. I think this deck is people who are just trying to farm Scam in leagues because it's pre it's pre sideboarded against scam in like a way that doesn't really hurt whatever their game plan is yeah yeah um so and like they played four bolts and enough other red removal spells that they just like kill my creatures and then i run out of gas yeah Um, i'm almost guaranteed it's four on holy heat and four yes that sounds right so yeah so that was annoying to play against it twice i was just like okay we're, we're now into territory where people like are just trying to beat most popular deck and that's that's an unfun experience um i played against burn which just got under me like i did not have the grief plays like i basically never had grief in the matchup um you can't really play thoughtsies there and it just burned me out so like yeah i can't i can't really feel bad and you present things that uh the landfall spell that hurts you and hurts your creatures i forget what it's called um searing blaze yeah searing blaze can hit your stuff Sure. I mean, look, Searing Blaze can get can get hit. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. I mean, Shieldred is pretty good against against that in that matchup for what it's worth. But yeah. Then I played against Hardened Scales. Yep. Which I think is also a bad matchup for. Scam. I think it's very bad for Scam. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a matchup where like you can't really scam uh, a Blood Moon, and the turn one Ragavan turn two Blood Moon play is hard because like they'll just play a one drop and block your Ragavan and. The thing about hardened scales that kept getting me um, and why they they totally crushed me was because they would just punish me for not having blood moons and then like swing with a lethal land and do the hardened scales calculus to just make it big enough to kill me in one go. Yeah. So that was annoying. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think you've pulled you pulled like the worst matchups for scam in this league that are floating around right now. And then it says here that you also played Murktide. Yeah, and they just had counter spells when they needed to and a Murktide I couldn't kill because I only had one Terminate in the deck, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, and I think I think that's a fine matchup for Scam for what it's worth. I, yeah. I feel okay playing it, but you can certainly lose it. So, so yeah, it, it was like, obviously it was unfun for me in part because of the specific decks I was playing against, but it's not like I was chasing a former dragon of like having played Scam previously and was particularly loving it and that it's kind of like improved its gameplay in any meaningful way now i guess turn two bowmasters is kind of nice and like having plays where you surprise people with like a flashed in bowmaster that pings a two toughness creature and then you block with the token and that kind of feels like you got them and hardened scales played the ring against me and like at one point i thought maybe i can actually beat them by just like flashing in a bowmaster when the ring had two counters on it but that actually wasn't even enough anyway yeah yeah yeah, that, was that the car? Did you play the Karn version of Hardened Sales that like got a ring out of its sideboard, or was it was it just running ring? I don't recall. Okay, just curious for my own research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, look, it was just it was a feel bad league, but made all the worse by the fact that I don't like the deck and think it's bad. But on the flip side, like I started a league, and Shane played more matches than me, but I've I'm three games into a league right now because I had to go do something last night, so I didn't get like deeper into one. But you know, I beat. Um, what did I say? I beat Merfolk and I beat uh, like a Tron-esque deck. It was it was like a Golos Lotus Field deck, but in my mind, that's like green, green lands deck that Scam is very good against. And then I lost to, um, you know, I lost against 
something that was bad for me. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I wrote it down. Hang on a second. Was I'll look. I'll scales? look real quick. It was not scales. It was. Um, oh, was it mono red? Oh, it was the mono red deck that you played. Yeah, yeah it, oh, was wow. the, it was the M. Hayashi deck that I was like, oh yeah, this must be what Stan was talking about. And I actually was close in that that match for what it's worth. Like I almost took the game, took the second game and stuff. Like it, um, I actually sided out scam in that match because I was like, I don't even think that it's that good for me to like discard their blazing whatever stuff. I'm just gonna like put in more removal, put in blood moons, bring in shieldred, and just try to be a bit more aggressive deck. And it, I, it didn't work out, but it was very close. I mean, your experience, Stan reminds me of of my league i played like a, a six or seven tournament practice room matches which is unusual for me but they were going extremely quickly and i was playing it's like legitimate decks so i was just like yeah why not let's get some free practice with nothing on the line but the things that i found challenging were these decks and we talked about this earlier right which is just like there's a lot of pieces that are fairly redundant and they are all doing things that makes my cards not good against them. It could be, uh, Dave, I'm kind of surprised that you, you must have had some really timely furies for Mer Merfolk because my issue was I played against like a, a combo elves type deck and mm -hmm. their stuff just got big quickly. And even if I had a fury in hand, uh, I really wasn't able to do anything that cleared the board in a meaningful way. Um, Lightning Greaves was also in this combo deck, which gives things Shroud. So like if you can't hit the best Lord with your removal or with your fury, that also causes problems. I played against uh, Hardened Scales, which as we've been getting at is pretty, is, is very tough because one, it's artifact synergy driven so unless you have artifact removal in your sideboard you're not taking care of things like the ozolith uh, their creatures get big quickly they go wide there's a lot of redundancy in what their cards are doing i faced the mirror a number of times once in my league uh, they they kept seven i mulled to five uh, mulled to four pretty pitifully once those weren't great games and uh, overall i i went like two and three in my league i beat five color omnath and i beat murktide and i lost to the mirror and the two creature decks i mentioned so i think like what i'm thinking is and, and what we're i think what's important here is like look we're facing these things in leagues that are good against scam and these are realistic solutions to problems i think can we talk about scam mirror matches kind of like um as a thing that exists so I have this theory that one of the reasons we see like top eights produce like three or more copies of scam is because the representation of the deck in the tournament is so high that you just end up in the situation where people are playing like mirror matches for multiple rounds in a row and then inevitably like produce multiple copies of scam and top eights. And it ends up being more of a like the data we saw earlier of it just being like highly, highly represented. And as a result puts like multiple copies in the top eights, as opposed to it just being like such a powerful deck that it's beating everyone else and reaching top eight the old fashioned way. Can, can I talk to you about this theory for a second? That's why I brought it up. So do, and maybe Shane, I, I think this is correct, but let me, let me know what you guys think. I, I you know, not a math person, not really, but if, in the case of non-mirror versus mirror-inclusive win rates, right? Um, if mirror matches are included, 
as part of the denominator in the way you're calculating the win rate, that means that you uh, that the win rate of scam is actually being underreported. Yeah, it could it could be one of two things, right? Like it's in term if the if the win rate says it's fifty three percent, which it does on MTG Beta, then yeah, the fifty percent mirror matchup would be bringing it Drag down. That down. Right. If it was like forty nine percent, then I think we could say it's bringing it up. True. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. But it's not. It's above 50% yes. right now. So that means that that the mirror is actually causing it to look like it's less successful. Yeah, that, that could is. be, I think that's what Stan's getting at, right, too, which is like, hey. No, I think he's getting at the opposite, uh, which is that he he thinks that the, the, the fact that the mirrors are in there is proof that the deck is bad. I think it's not. Yeah, I think that. Mathematically yeah. speaking, I don't think it can be. Yeah, I think. Now, I, Stan, I do think what you're saying about like, hey, the the fact that we keep seeing it in top eights is because it's 20% of the meta. I think that's a slightly separate thing than like the mirror win rate thing being in that data. Yeah, I mean, at and no that's point did I, 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 I have no opinion on the mirror win rate. That's, that's not what I was talking about. I was talking about the fact that like in a 40 person RCQ, if, if like 15 or 20 people bring scam, you're going to end up with three or four scam copies in a top eight. I think that's true. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, yeah. and, and that's kind of what I'm getting at, like setting aside like the nature of the mirror match, like I think the fact that it's become such a popular deck contributes to that self-fulfilling prophecy of like, it's so popular, it's just putting a bunch of decks into top results by default. And as a result, people see it putting up a bunch of results and they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to play scam because it seems like it's the best deck in the format, whether or not it actually is. Let's talk about how we think that you can think about playing against Scam, especially if you want to beat it, right? Like we've kind of put together, talked about it anecdotally, but I think I put together a little list of kind of how I think about it and what what I think about some of the options to help us close this out, right? So we've talked about playing Scam. We've talked about why it's there, where it's come from, what we each individually think about it. I think after this section, we'll come to a conclusion about what we think or hope will happen next whenever this banned and restricted announcement is, which I guess uh, going by the letter of the law that's out there right now will be potentially on October 16th, which is uh, eight days from today. So it's a week from Monday, basically. So here's kind of like six ways that I think people combat scam, and we can talk about each one. First one is people play graveyard hate, right? I don't think this is that super effective against scam. I mean, it is and it isn't, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's fine. But because my opinion is the deck isn't that bad if you can't bring your elementals back and they potentially are playing graveyard hate that only cuts off your turn one play. And if you focus your game plan and your mold decisions on knowing that it's going to happen, it means that you can make them play some sort of like suboptimal lines as well while you're just beating them up with a Dalthy Voidwalker. But what do you all think about that as an option to play against scam? Just straight up graveyard hate, any flavor. I think it can be good. I mean, you, you scam people are running it for the mirrors. It's definitely helpful. It's it's the type of thing where it's, you know, disruption plus clock type thing. I don't think you're going to win on the back of it. I mean, I think it's one of the ways that you beat the turn one play. Uh, endurance and, and Leyline helps with that, of course. Um, I think our discussion of Stone of Eric or whatever that's called, like yeah. kind of proves that like cheap forms of graveyard hate can be really problematic for a deck that is like trying to do a graveyard, a quasi graveyard combo, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly an option people are doing and that's if you do not want to change the deck that you are playing, think about your graveyard hate package and think about how to use it the best way to stop stuff that happens on turn one. Option two, uh, in my mind, the next one that came to mind is play a deck that can win off the top, right? So that's Cascade 
for can't, me. Like can't that's thoughts a, use that. Right. And so these card, you know, Devin has talked about this, these decks that have one card combos basically where it's like, okay, you know, if you take someone's cascade away when you're living, when they're on living end, they're probably still just going to get, you know, they're probably still just going to get another cascader because they can draw through their deck. Rhinos can do something similar. I even think the creativity can do stuff like this because the way that you get the tokens that enable creativity are like with lands. And so sometimes it's hard for them to stop you from having being able to end of turn, get a couple of dwarves going, and then uh, creativity on your turn if you have it later in the game. Like it's it's a little bit uh, harder to, to do that, especially if they hit it, uh, you know, once you get through the turn one grief, like being able to draw creativity just kind of wins the game for you from there. Um, option three, what do you guys think about that? That's kind of established in the way we've been talking, right? Yeah, I think that's a perfectly fair thing. Makes sense. Yeah. Option three, we talked about red removal, bolts, unholy heat, leyline binding. This is obvious. Like these are decks that we just talked about having good interactive games against scam, making sure that they're sized enough to be able to get rid of fury if you have to, but also getting rid of grief. And of course, leyline binding is just good. You know, I saw again Andrea Munguchi the other day said he thought leyline binding was the best card in modern, I think. He said earlier this week. I just think this is like, it's obvious that the decks that run a lot of removal themselves, they do well against scam, like Omnath, for example. So it is what it is. I think we all agree with that one. Option four is have more two-for-ones than they do. This is where you're at, where you're kind of like in Rhinos doesn't necessarily have two-for-ones, although Crashing Footfalls is essentially a two-for-one against many decks because, you know, that's why it's a good card. And then Omnath is in that same space, other things like that. You know, just make sure that they... You know, Saga is the thing that can kind of be a two-for-one and other stuff like that. Option five, I think, is if you go wide with creatures, Shane talked about that. Like, this is just a wrap-up of stuff that we talked about earlier. This is your hardened scales. This is certain other creature decks. I like that you mentioned a creature combo deck that where the creatures size up. That's what Merfolk doesn't have, that the deck that you were talking about did have, that I think may, may have made that harder versus easier to, to win. Because eventually, if I just kill, you just kill their lords and Merfolk, they die. But if you combo off or make gigantic things, things and do things like have lightning greaves, then it's big trouble. Um, and then the last thing that I had on the list of options to beat it is attack their resources. And this is we haven't talked about this too much other than in the context of the M. Hayashi deck, but if you can mess with Scam's mana a little bit, it is problematic. They only have seven lands, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure the list I was playing only had, it had four Blood Crypts and three Swamps, and it had attack and Numa. So it had eight Oh, and Black Leaf Cliffs. It had 11 lands and a bunch of, and nine, nine fetch lands, basically. So you can mess with somebody's mana a good amount just by destroying things and things like that. And if it doesn't hurt your game plan or your deck that's built around that, that can be an effective strategy. You know, for what it's worth, some of my the opinions that I got here from gameplay, from our discussion earlier in the notes, and also I read an article from Michael Rapp on Card Kingdom that he published this week called How to Beat Scam and How to Beat Modern Scam that has suggestions for five decks that we've talked about. Each one of them in this article, they all they mostly line up with things that we talked about being good against scam, but go go check it out if you want. So that's how I think you play against it. And I think it is possible to play against it. And I think that that brings us to the final point, which is like banned and restricted. People are banging the band drum. Before before we get to the band drum, which which I do want to mention, I I, I just want to throw in one more card. Sure. What about subtlety and blue, I think blue interaction in general? Yeah. Bounce is good. Subtlety is good. I don't think bounce is good. Uh, I guess it depends. On, <laughs> you don't want to bounce stuff. It depends stuff. on what you're bouncing and when you're bouncing it. Yeah, I think subtlety is fine, and I will say that as someone who 
spent a good amount of time. Like I played a good amount of blue black ring when the ring came out and having subtlety against scam was decent because it let me choose the cards that I was going to get rid of instead of letting them choose the cards, but it's card parody, right? Like it's, it's not, it, it just keeps you your, the number of cards that you spend to do it is equivalent to the number of cards that they spent to do it. And so they get to take another shot at it as well the next turn. So I think subtlety is kind of in the media in the middle. I think that blue interaction is worse than red interaction, worse than creature removal because you have to have the blue mana open at the time that they try to scam you where in order to recover at all where you do you know what i mean like you can stop the scam which is great but if they do manage to work their way through that or if they know how to stack their triggers and you don't really get a chance to like spell pierce something then the blue is not going to do you that much good i don't know what did you think about it like when you're playing rhinos what do you think about spell pierce having spell pierce up or force negation and spell pierce or something like that well Rhinos does not play spell pierce. Uh, subtlety. Oh, never. Oh, yeah, it doesn't play spell pierce. Yeah, sorry. You can't. You, you would, can't do it. You would you can't lose. Can't do it. Force of negation helps for sure. Yeah, force of negation is okay though. It's it, it's actually not great. It's you side it out. You side it out for removal. I, I find like subtlety is actually like the best blue spell in cascade against it, just so that you can like buy yourself another turn to yeah. cascade since cascading itself is good yeah the, if the te- i think it's i think you hit that nail on the head there which like subtlety is good against scam if you want the tempo advantage that it gives you which is what it really gives you it gives mm-hmm. you time mm-hmm. it doesn't really deal with the problem hey everyone this is shane here flying solo on this ad break and what we're talking about this week is the Barrister and Man winter release schedule. What's coming up in November and December of this year? What's coming up in just November of this year? We've got some stuff in December as well that we'll save for the coming months. Importantly, the first two things that are really cool are a restock of the Just Right for a Tuesday and Romance in Middlesex County Eau de Toilettes. Those will be coming uh, in just a few weeks. Just Right for the Tuesday is a Stanislav favorite. But on November 21st, there are six separate products that are coming out. You can start thinking about your holiday gift purchases for your loved ones, for yourself. The first one is Midnight Special, which must be a winter favorite because it's available in the shaving soap, the splash, the balm, the eau de toilette, and the bath soap. Midnight Special is sandalwood and a bunch of stuff that I don't know what it is. Nargamotha, Copaiba, Opodompax peppercorn, I know what that is, nutmeg, and rasped wood. Samples for that are available on November 7th. You can check those out and then see if it's up your alley. And then we have melange, which is definitely a winter scent. Cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, cardamom, desert air in the shaving soap, splash, balm, and eau de toilette. This one sounds very much up my alley, which is Braeburn. Apple, sage, orange, vetiver, amber, and spices in the shaving soap, the splash, and the balm. We've got promises, which is orange, bergamot, honey, whiskey, peat, nutmeg, saffron, and snowmobile exhaust. This is a very well-sent description. That's in the soap, splash, and balm as well. And then we have some Figaro's and Nordost bath soap also available on November 21st. So as I mentioned, if you're thinking about trying to stock up for your holiday gifts, you can use our code, the dive down 23 
gets you 15% off your first order over at Barrister and Man. So make it a big one. You stock up, get all your stuff all at once, and get 15% off that order over at Barrister and Man, M-A-N-N. Will is a longtime sponsor, Patreon of the Dive Down. You might have heard our kind of history of modern through the sets of modern episode just a few weeks ago. That's all thanks to him as well. So we appreciate our relationship. And the only way that we keep it going is by you all keeping supporting Barrister and Man as well. So we appreciate all of you all continuing to do that and enjoy the awesome products over there. All right, let's talk bands. Let's do it. Let's, pl- let's plant our flag. Bottom line. Okay, ban- it's band time. People yeah. are mad. Yep. What, what's going to happen? What do we want to happen? What is going to happen? What do we think? It depends, I think, if Watsy goes back to the well of fun. And that's my big concern. I think that is a very undefinable trick, right? Like, what is fun? When is something not fun? Is do like the loudest complainers about a format, you know, get their complaints addressed? And I think that's sort of a bad precedent to keep establishing. I think it was established in the inverter. Uh, band. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then it's going to linger for years because people can always go back to that as a precedent that was set. And if they do it again, then I have concerns about that. Yeah. Stan? W- what's your concern, Shane? That they shouldn't ban yeah, for I mean, fun? Okay. Let, let's, let's say performance alone, performance alone, I don't think is ban worthy. I think we have prevalence and fun factor. Like let's go into like the game pro uh, you know, fun factor rating type thing. I mean, I like that as a metric, as just like, these are the three things that go into bands, prevalence, performance, and gameplay experience. No, right? dude, like, fun that factor. seems like fun factor, sure. But that, that seems like a reasonable set of things that people would consider. Yes. Yeah, so in terms of prevalence, yes, hi. Uh, in terms of performance, I think fine. It's, it's on par with other decks. Fun factor, very undefinable. W- well... Turn one griefing. Most people aren't like, oh yeah, I love when you do this to me. This is good for my deck. It's so strategic for me to be turn one grief. I think that's the thing that people say there if they're really trying to be like, ah, this is what's bad about the gameplay experience. There's not a lot of strategy in that. But there's a lot of strategy in what you take out of their hand, the strategy in, you know, how you mull to it, if you mull to it. Um, you know, it's it's basically just the same the same fun I have casting thoughtsies. I just get to do it twice. Right. But in in terms of yeah, what I think is going to happen. Like, let's not talk about things. Let's talk about what I want, what Shane wants. I think things are fine. I definitely prefer to see people get creative. I like to see the metagame shift uh, organically. That's, that's the word I'm looking for, organically. And I think that we are seeing perhaps the beginnings of that. My concern is, are, are the shiftings things that people can sustain because of the performance of certain decks? And do people find decks like Hardened Scales particularly fun? I don't know. Do people, not a lot of people play M. Hayashi decks. You know what I mean? And there's probably a good reason for that. So it's it's really, there's a lot of factors that have to go into this. And I don't think that I have the perfect answer. But my answer right now is let's let this lie. Let's see what happens in the next three months and then go from there. I don't I don't love the kicking the can down the road thing, but I feel like we still are in a world where Bowmasters, the One Ring, Preordain, all these sort of newer additions to the format, uh, Beanstalk are still being felt out. And I, I, I don't think we need to act yet. 
But I'm also not playing like RCQs every weekend. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people are. But not, a lot fewer people then go to their FNM like two times a month. You know what I mean? Dave, what do you think? You, you, you and I have different biases, right? Because you like the deck and I dislike the deck. Yeah. But I think that you don't... I mean, I think our biases... I think that's personal. Like if someone made us play the deck... You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't necessarily pick be thrilled about having to play rhinos and you're not thrilled about having to play scam, even though I never made you play scam. <laughs> Shane did. Shane Shane did it. But the I guess if you I think about Shane's metrics, I, I totally agree with Shane's assessment. I, I really just agree with what Shane said, I think, overall, which is like I don't think the performance has indicated overall that like it has to be banned for performance reasons. It certainly is everywhere. I think that people should start picking up other decks. We should give some time for that to happen, and then we'll kind of see where it goes. But I don't think it should be abandoned in this. I don't think there should be a change to modern in this cycle, personally. I guess it's the bottom line for me. Hmm. We got another cycle coming up in six weeks. You know, after Wilds of El- after uh, Lost Caves of Ixalan come up, like why not wait until the beginning of December and do it? I guess because that's after RCQ season. But guess what? A week and a half from now is also kind of after RCQ season, or at least at least it's two thirds of the way through it. Our, no, modern RCQ season goes to the end of the year. Like I'm seeing right. modern RCQs booked for December still. Okay, so there's still two months. Yeah. Okay. And and, and that kind of puts a weird little wrinkle in, in the discussion, right? Like to ban a card in the middle of RCQ season, kind of like oh, th- yeah, I like, don't like that either. Yeah, that that means like. The people who won with Scam can't take it to the RC. They have to find something new there. Like people who are preparing for tournaments, like every, literally every weekend till the end of the year, essentially, like we'll have yeah. to find a, a pivot. So like, I think that's really problematic. The, the timing because of their current tournament structure and that they've dictated that all RCQs have to be essentially the same format. Yeah. So I think that's a problem. I mean, I still think they should ban the ban grief so that people stop playing a bad deck. Like th- this is the first <laughs> yeah. case where a, a deck should be banned for for not being good enough. I think you should take that to Twitter and keep it off the show. Yeah, it's a good it's a good one liner. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I I think I think you can sort of just say in a vacuum that not having to be turn one griefed in any format is probably a net positive for enjoyment and play yeah. patterns yeah right I, I i do agree with that and, and sure. i think i think it's also i think we can agree that like it's probably not great when there's like a single deck that is 30 percent of the meta week in and week out yeah. yeah 16 and 19 i'm hopeful that's not gonna stick i that that changing doesn't change the truth of the other thing you said though right I, and like the only reason it drops down is if like people just keep finding like ways to beat scam which i guess like that's good like that's metagame churn we want that but do we want that to happen if like the way to beat scam is like these crazy mono red decks and hardened scales like if Uh, no and yes right because it's also omnath and rhinos i think too are ways to beat scam yeah I, i honestly i think i think the modern format has found itself in a pretty precarious position where like removing grief would be a, probably a net positive for format enjoyment, but like the timing and like the data behind the, the scam deck specifically, like doesn't make it easy, an easy choice. Not to mention that like banning grief, like might have residual consequences for like living end. Yeah. So It also might make the one ring suddenly the best thing in modern and we'll have a new thing to complain about right away. So I feel like you're kind of making the fun factor argument here, Stan. I suppose so. 
I suppose, I suppose, I think it's both fun and representation. Like, yeah, the representation's too high, but yeah, I, honestly, like, I'm, I'm never calling for bans. Like, I just, I just think that, like, I don't think removing grief would be a bad thing for modern. I, I think that's kind of true apropos of scam. And I'm, what I'm really worried about is that people are going to play more grief scam packages because like of how good that is and soon they're going to realize that they should just be doing that more often than they really are yeah so you think they should do something this cycle or no bottom line i think i would i wouldn't mind okay that's, well, that's a fair I take wouldn't mind yeah there you go we'll have to wait and see yeah if it happens next week if it happens a month from now we will see because we don't know when the actual announcement is i mean they say October 16th, the most recent band announcement. I just, it doesn't line up for me with, they haven't said anything about it again that I can find. And, yeah. uh, you know, it doesn't line up with their, what they said they would do. But it is a real date. So we'll see. So I feel like yeah. we don't have an actual flag planted. We, ha- we have, we have taught, no, no, we have, yeah. we have yeah. illustrated the flag through our takes and some data. And uh, I don't think we're ready to, to plant it anywhere. Besides that, like, you know, it's it's it seems okay. The fun factor and prevalence are, are not great. Yeah, and that wraps up this week's show. <laughs> I think I think it yeah. does. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review and answer Dave's question of the week on Spotify as well. If you'd like to submit a question to us directly or just reach out in general, you can tweet us at the Dive Down, all one word, or email the Dive Down at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash the dive down and check out the divedown.com slash store to get some stuff with our logo and illustrations on it. Head over to heavyplay.com to get some incredible deck boxes and dice boxes and play mats featuring their awesome equip mag system. Use code the dive down 2023 for 10% off your first order at heavyplay.com. Also, shout out to Mana Traders for sponsoring the Dive Down. Sign up for Mana Traders using promo code THEDIVEDOWN23, all one word, for 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. And also, get some amazing shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more at Barrister and Man using promo code THEDIVEDOWN23 for 15% off your first order. And then save some money on paper cards while you're at it at Nerd Rage Gaming with code DIVE8 for 8% off your order at NRG. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere in Space Blood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and scam, scam, scam!